Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Don't 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 Spoilers coming out. <laughs> I, want I want the, the world, world to know. know. We're gonna, gonna let it show. Spoilers coming out. Dum dum. Eternal Masters time. Crap, our song parody uh, game is not very strong. No, I was so lost when you started doing the first part. I was like, oh, no, I wonder how long Josh is going to do this before he launches the song. <laughs> no, nah, I just gave it one more measure, and I was like, whatever, let's just go. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> technically, it's previews are coming out. Spoilers, uh, you put those on cars, okay? All right, my bad. <laughs> I don't know the correct terminology. I know it's not leaks. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely not leaks. Oh, boy. Um, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, and we are incredibly excited. You guys can probably already guess what this episode is going to be about. Probably because it's in the like title when you click on it. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's a very good point. <laughs> but... Spoiler alert. <laughs> you know what it is. Spoilers are what we put on cars, Jimmy. Yeah, that's right. Dang it. That's, so alert. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is Eternal Masters. The entire set has been released at this point, so we know every single card, and it's awesome. Yeah, the set comes out on June 10th to a very limited release. We don't actually know how much of it is coming out. We're guessing it's going to be somewhat similar to the original Modern Masters. But more huh. importantly, this set is filled with cards. They should call it Commander of Masters. It really should be. It's I mean, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, sans two cards, it, it's it is nuts. Yeah, um, super freaking excited. I, I guess I don't want to get into this whole like how limited is the print run and everything. We'll let the professor and other people like take that on for now. I'm just for happy sure. to be excited about all these cards. And I mean, I think a few months ago when it was announced, we did sort of a list of. Yeah, Card, we did. cards we were hoping for, and there's some cards in here that I was that are like we thought we were like 
listen, this is not going to happen, but it'd be sweet. <laughs> and then some of it actually happened. Yeah, which is insane because usually when we're like, oh, there's no way they're going to do this, but we would love for it to happen, it actually ended up happening, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, one in particular, <clears throat> Mana Crypt. <clears throat> uh, wow. Wow, that cough of yours sounds bizarre. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I, got, I need antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just jump into our main topic because I'm so excited to talk about it, the Eternal Masters set review. Uh, this set looks insane. It comes out again June 10th, which is in a couple of weeks uh, from this podcast. Actually, it'll be a, a week and a half. Um, I highly encourage, if you guys enjoy Limited, to try it out. This set looks absolutely insane. The cards, the power level, everything about it is just through the roof. People are comparing it the closest between a cube and sort of like a modern master set. So it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's... Wow. I mean, it's almost closer to Cube than Modern Masters. The, maybe it's just me and my nostalgia for a lot of these old cards, but some of the cards they reprinted are from super, super early. I mean, Sinkhole? Yeah, that's a very old card, and one that costs a lot as well. But not anymore, hopefully. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, super excited for the set. It just looks amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. So should we start it? Should we get going? Let's do it. Okay, so we talked about our uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the tutor cycle. There is a cycle of tutors, and Josh, almost 100% correct, called it um, when we were given our spoiler and recorder episode. We only knew that Mystical Tutor is going to be in the set, uh, and Josh was like, this could be a chance for them to reprint all of the tutors. We're talking about Enlightened Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, and it turns out they got four out of the five. So the tutor cycle, we have Mystical Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, Enlightened Tutor, and Gamble for red. And look, uh, Gamble, we did not see coming. coming. I did no. not even have the guts to call Gamble. It seemed like they wouldn't do that, and they did. That's, I mean, Gamble's really expensive, hard to get a hold of, and it's maybe even above Vampiric, like the most needed. Yeah, it gets it, gets it into your hand. It's the only red card that jitters yes. to that level of any card. It's pretty nuts. However, yeah. there was no Worldly Tutor. Which, if they were going to leave one out, Worldly Tutor was the cheapest. It's been reprinted, I think, the most of all of them. Maybe Mystical is equal. But yeah. it was definitely like, if they were going to leave one out, that was the cheapest one. So it's kind of good that they did. And this is interesting. I hadn't thought about this, but you actually pointed out there's a card that's sort of similar that maybe took its place. Yeah, it's Natural Order, which is printed at uh, Mythic, I believe, in the set. Uh, it's a sorcery for two green-green. As an additional cost to cast natural order, sacrifice a green creature and search your library for a green creature card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So it is a four-mana sorcery speed tutor that costs, that will immediately tutor a creature onto the battlefield. Now, in EDH, people use this to grab a Critter Hoof Behemoth, any number of crazy, crazy cards. You can, um, like, you know, the classic play is, like, play a mana dork, play, you know, maybe another mana dork, or on turn two or three, play natural order, sacking the mana dork, and then going and putting, like, Terastodon down and blowing up, you know, their lands. And now you've got a 9-9, and they don't have anything. Yeah. Terastodon, not in this set, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Natural order is still a very powerful card, and it has not seen very many printings. In fact, it's only been printed twice, once in Visions and once in Portal. So it's a card that's definitely up there in price, and it's one that's definitely a staple, I think, of EDH for green yeah. decks. It's cheating of mana costs. We always say it. Cheating of mana costs, that most powerful thing you can do. Yeah, I mean, but let's talk about Vampiric Tutor for a second. This is so exciting. This is another card that's only been printed twice. Actually, maybe only printed once? 
No, it's been printed twice, which is insane because these cards have just slowly climbed in price over the years to the point where it's like, hey, if you want to get all the tutors, you're on Demonic Tutor and all this other stuff, you actually are kind of restricted from getting stuff like Vampiric Tutor just because it the price point is much higher than the rest of the cards. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about last episode how neither of us even owns a Vampiric Tutor. It's very, very good. It's just for that amount of money. You buy a dem- Demonic Tutor for, you know, a, a fraction of that, and then you're, you're kind of good. Like, you'd like to have both, but just for that price tag. So Vampiric Tutor is one black for an instant. It says, search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. You lose two life. So it's basically Mystical Tutor and Lightning Tutor, except there's no restriction on what card you can get. You just also pay two life, which, yeah. two life. Yeah, exactly. Two life is nothing. This is like a perfect card for the Marquesa deck as well, because you don't want to get on the throne and you want a tutor. And it's yeah, or speed. Jaleva. Yep. Yep, or, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's very, very, very good. And again, it's 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 mythic, right? Yeah, it's mythic. So it's not going to drop a ton in price, but it should be. At least you have a chance to crack it in a pack, right? You have a chance to pull yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. And you have a chance to trade into one if someone else doesn't want it. There's lots of cool things going on here. All right. Um, because this set is filled, and we're talking filled with cards that you can play in Commander, we're going to be a little more... Uh, selective about the ones we talk about um, just because we'll spend another two hours here talking about all these cards and a lot of them are they're all reprints there's nothing brand new so we're just going to talk about the cards that are a little bit harder to get or the cards that are going to look super awesome because this is the first maybe a first foil printing of it or just oh, yeah, cards that, that yeah. sorry that's another thing is a lot of these cards not a lot but many of them have never been printed in foil before and so, so for some of these cards they're going to be the first chance to get them in foil that's going to be a big thing Another thing that's going to add value. Uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, really, really sweet. Okay, so let's start off with white. We're going to be going in Uberg order today, uh, especially because once we get towards the multicolored artifact land area, we get into some really exciting reprints. Um, first up, Karmic Guide. Uh, three white white for a 2-2 flying angel spirit creature. Uh, it's flying protection from black and has echo three white white. So at the beginning of your upkeep, if the creature came into your control at the beginning of your last upkeep, you sacrifice it unless you play its, pay its echo cost. So it's like a tax on it, kind of like a cumulative upkeep kind of thing, but yep. not. Um, when Karmic Guide enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, I feel like this card doesn't get played enough, but it is ridiculously powerful it's a five mana sorcery if you think about that gets any creature from your graveyard into the battlefield yeah it's pretty crazy it also is really good with flicker effects to just reuse it and put off that echo until later um a lot of times eventually you're just like whatever i don't pay the echo yeah it's super good again it cheats mana cost because it can get any size creature from your graveyard directly onto the battlefield so you know obviously the very big creatures can't even go to the graveyard, they get shuffled back in. But there's a whole lot of creatures that you yeah. know cost less than five or cost more than five mana. Um, you know, like Nulamog, which you wouldn't get the cast trigger, but you know, still it's an indestructible ten uh, ten that mills them twenty when it attacks. Like, still pretty good to get it for five mana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just Terrasodon again, uh, Creator of Behemoth cards that have entered the battlefield effect Sun Titan. Just there's so many good things you can get with Karmic Guide. Um, so it's a very solid card. I'm surprised it doesn't see more play. I think people see the uh, the echo cost of it and go like, meh, maybe not. But no, truly, this card is absurd. And then the Command Zone, one of our favorite cards, the Mother of Runes. Runes! With the dopest art, uh, this is the Therese Nielsen special. This one, art is sick. It's the I can't best. believe it. 
<laughs> it's Mother like Rune she's holding awesome. a bowl of fire. I mean, I can't wait to use this card in draft if I open it. It's oh, this card gonna... is sick in draft. You yeah. never pass it. You never. Well, I, you could pass it conceivably in this in this draft format. If you're passing it, then you open something awesome. Yeah, it's true. The oh, mother man. of runes. She's the mother card. of runes. Let me read her. She costs one white mana. Uh, she's a creature, human cleric, a one-one. <laughs> you tap her. Target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Pretty good. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, especially as a turn one play. It just basically says it blanks a removal spell. It blanks so much. It blanks a blocker. You know, it card's nuts. I really enjoy that card. I mean, you, you, can, can, also, do th- you can do things like block with Mother of Runes and then tap Mother of Runes to give itself protection from whatever color the creature it's blocking is. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just a very simple thing. Yeah. Very, very simple. Um, Swords of Plowshares is seeing another reprint. You guys all know what this does. It's one white for an instant exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. This was also in Conspiracy, but this is just a card that you'll put in a lot of your decks that have white. So it's just nice to see that it's going to be uh, back into the uh, circum... The circumventing? No, the, the circle. Back into the, the cycle. The circle of life. <laughs> is that what you meant? It's back in rotation for us, I guess. And it's, uh, it's worth a couple bucks, you know? So it's, it's nice to have uncommons in the set, and there's quite a few that are worth, you know... Yeah more than 10 cents yeah speaking of which the next one is worth a lot <laughs> i was very surprised but um because i didn't know this when you put it on the list i was like i was like wall of omens wall of omens is like five dollar card i had no idea sees a lot of play in modern and it's just a great card so it's one in a white for a creature wall it's an o4 with defender when wall of omens enters the battlefield draw a card very simple um, obviously very powerful. Uh, and in any decks that can flicker this or abuse this ability, it's great. Uh, it's also just like, if you're searching for a good two-drop and you're finding that a lot of your opponents are playing aggro-esque decks and you're just dying to creature combat and stuff, like Wall of Omens, why not? You yeah. get a wall. Plus it's a $5 uncommon. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, opening that in the pack, that's every single one of these packs could have $5 commons. Like, that's how ridiculous this set is looking so far. So, uh, on to blue? Yes, on to blue. Um, I'm going to start off with Counterspell. And you're like, wait, what are you talking about Counterspell? This card's been printed a bunch of times. Well, I said Counterspell because this Counterspell is a common. It has really cool art and it has zero flavor text. It just says Counter Target Spell on it, uh, which means that this card is probably actually going to be worth a decent amount as a foil version. And it's going to be one of the cooler versions of this card to get in foil as well. Yeah, I believe so. Just looking at it, it looks super clean with the text box, and all it says is counter target spell. Sweet. Yeah, there's a card that says end the turn, um, time stop, and there's a specific version of it, and I think it's it's not 10th edition, but there's one edition that just says end the turn. There may be a promo version of it, and it costs way more just because it doesn't have a whole block of text after what it means to end the turn, you know? So it just says end the turn. It's like, whoa, how cool. Pretty sweet. Counterspell Counterspell has that, that flavor as well. Uh, Arcanus, the Omnipotent, is in the set as well. That's three and three blue for a legendary creature. Wizard is a three four. Says tap, draw three cards. I love that because anything that has a tap ability and then drawing cards is awesome. And it also yep. says pay two blue blue and then return Arcanus to its owner's hand. So you can protect it from removal if, as long as you've got four uh, mana up, which is good i rarely use it mostly i just draw cards but it's still sweet yeah 
This kind of looks like Tyrael from Diablo. Yeah, yeah, totally. Clug, get on that altar. Let's go. <laughs> um, oh, this next one's a big one. Force of Will. This is one of the first cards spoiled from Eternal Masters. Three blue blue for an instant. You may pay one life and exile a blue card from your hand at, rather than playing Force of Will's mana cost counter target spell. So it's a free counter spell um, minus a life and a blue card out of your hand. But uh, we all know how powerful zero mana counter spells are. This is one of the best cards in Magic the Gathering, flat out. It's a mainstay in Legacy. Um, and it finally is seeing a reprint, and Tyrius Nielsen, again, gets to do the art, because she did the original art, and so asking her to bring back and do it again, that's super cool. Yeah, this is brand new art. It's kind of the marquee art for the set. Uh, it's one, like you said, one of the most powerful cards of all time. Very expensive, I think around 70 bucks or so yeah. before this. So again, this is a great just chance to crack it in a pack where it, like, I, I have one Force of Will, you know, I bought oh, one. Oh, gosh. And I was yeah. like, the only reason I bought it was because I was like, it's Force of Will. Like, I should own one of these so I can justify it. But it's still crazy. Like, it's just great that you're going to have a chance to get one of these, you know, just at least get lucky lottery ticket style and maybe open one. Yep. It the is cards, certainly The a card's ticket. bonkers in Commander. I mean, it's, it's crazy bonkers because it's card disadvantage because you have to discard a blue card to cast it for zero. But in Commander, we just don't care as much because you might have Consecrated Sphinx on the table or something. Yeah, or you just have cards in your hand and you want to tap out and still protect it. Like, people usually don't see a zero mana counter spell coming. Yeah, you could be casting in Insurrection, which makes you, you know, you got to tap all your mana to do it. And normally, if they counter that, then that doesn't work. But all of a sudden, you can protect it. And that could be game winning rather than just something that fizzles out. Yeah, totally. Love it. I mean, we play Pact of Negation quite often in our decks. And this is, I think, just strictly better in every sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Hydroblast. So there's two of these. There's Pyroblast and Hydroblast, and they're both in the set, and they both have new art, and they're both sweet. So Hydroblast yeah. is one blue for an instant. It says, choose one. Counter target spell if it's red, or destroy target permanent if it's red. Uh, yeah. This card's in legacy sideboards all over the place. Yeah, and Pyroblast is the red version, which does the same thing, but it counters a blue spell or destroys a blue permanent, which is actually the better of the two. Not only are more blue cards played, but also red just don't normally can't counterspell things. Yeah. So, um, But both are sweet, and the art is sweet, and they're sort of like mirror images of each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's really art, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's the first time this is going to see a foil printing as well. I believe that's not a promo. So, Oh, the very next cool. one, dude. Yep, the next one. Jace the Mind Sculptor. Big Daddy Jace, two blue blue for a planeswalker that comes in with three loyalty. He has four abilities that he can do. Uh, the first one, uh, plus two, look at the top card of target player's library. You may put that card on the bottom of that player's library, so fate sealing. Very powerful in 1v1. But really, he's here for his zero. Is zero, draw three cards and put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. So he can brainstorm forever if you keep him alive. Whose idea was that? I mean, brainstorm one of the most... <laughs> Brainstorm, one of the most powerful cards of all time, so powerful that these quote-unquote fair versions of Brainstorm, like Ponder and stuff, still get banned. Yeah. 
Uh, and that, that's his zero ability? Jeez. Yeah, he can just do it for free, which is insane. Uh, his minus one is return target creature to his owner's hand. So every single one of these abilities is incredibly powerful. And his minus 12, exile all cards from target player's library, then that player shuffles his or her hand into his or her library. So you're just like, well, how many cards you got in your hand? Oh, four? Well, now you have yeah. four cards in your library. I mean, I don't think that minus 12 has ever been done. Jace comes down and he brainstorms for me as many times as he can before he eventually dies and people realize, oh, cr- we need to kill him immediately. <laughs> it's insanely powerful. Again, very expensive card. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to have a shot at it. Again, um, I'm going to let you do the next one because I want to do the one after that. Okay, cool. Uh, we have Peregrine Drake, four in the blue for a two-three creature Drake at, at common. By the way, this card is also not a cheap one. Um, it has flying when Peregrine Drake enters the battlefield. Untap up to five lands. So again, if you have cards that like are the bounce lands that tap for two mana, you're getting two mana for one here when you cast Peregrine Drake. So this is an awesome card in, in decks that have those ways to abuse their lands. They have Temple of the False Gods in there, etc. Uh, well, and tombs. Flicker, like if you have... Um, oh, yeah. Let's say you have Eldrazi Displacer in this, you just go infinite mana. Yep, immediately, as yeah. long as you have the uh, the colorless source for it. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Peregrine One... Drake is awesome. Love this card. Yeah, very, very good. And it, like, like you like... said, it's a common that's worth like three bucks or something, so that's pretty great. Yeah, it used to be at uncommon. I mean, we see that a lot across this set as well. A lot of cards have been shifted rarity-wise. They'll go from rare to common or uncommon to rare. Sometimes they'll go from, uh, like, common to, or, or like, not never even having a rarity to mythic, as, in, as is the case with Mana Crypt. Um, so there's a lot of, like, fun little shifts there. So if you popper players are out there, just pay, pay attention to what cards are now up at common. Okay, the next one's pretty... It's pretty cool that they got a reprint. It's oh, this is awesome. It's Prodigal Sorcerer. It's Tim. It's Tim. Two and a blue for a 1-1 one, one human wizard. Tap Prodigal Sorcerer deals one damage to target creature or player. It's probably my second favorite creature of all time. It's got new art. I'm excited to draft it. This is just good on all levels. Yeah, this card is so great, especially in Limited, too. Like That's why yeah. I'm really, really excited is that it's going to... It's going to be really fun to, to draft and use this card. Um, and the new art is great. It's going to, There's a, a new foil version of this card now. It's Tim. It's, it's, like an, it's almost like an honor to see him in the set, you know? Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, you know, when I saw it, I just got a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, he reminds me of uh, Lenny Kravitz a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the picture. It's yeah, true. him and, like, Chadwick Boseman mixed together. I want to get away. I want to ping you for. <laughs> I, want, yeah. I, I hung out with Lenny Kravitz in an elevator once. Oh, and yeah. By, and by hung out, I meant rode it for like four floors, and then I got off and he was still on it. That's it. Nice. Cool You story. know what? You know what that means? What? You're faster than Lenny Kravitz. You got to where you were going before he did. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but that's it's awesome. He's, Is Lenny Kravitz known for being fast? I have no idea. Maybe fast with his guitar licks. I don't know. We're we're already on a on a tangent, and we're going <laughs> deep deep into this. Too deep. We're talking about Lenny Kravitz and Eternal Masters in the same sentence. I want to get away. I, I want to fly to away. Okay. <laughs> we right, like to sing, on. people. You know this. Yeah, it's true. We are. You know, we're great. We're great musicians over here. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to Black. Oh yeah, great. First card up. <laughs> Speaking of musicianship and artistry, we have Blood Artist. Uh, one in the black for a zero-one creature vampire. Whenever Blood Artist or another creature dies, target player loses one life, and you gain one life. Blood Artist is also a card that, for you know, 
for being an uncommon is now up in the uh, two to three dollar range. So that's awesome that it's getting reprinted because this card again sees a lot of play in EDH, especially in decks that go infinite and just kill everyone with this on the board with a couple other cards. Yeah, this card is sort of sneaky good. I think a lot of people probably read it and go, "Well, what?" And then there's a lot of decks that can just go off and kill everybody with Blood Artist. It's crazy. Yeah, very powerful card. Um, what's the next one we've got on our list? Oh, Cabal Therapy. This is an interesting one. It's one black for a sorcery. Name a non-land card. Target player reveals his or her hand and discards all cards with the same name. And then as flashback, sacrifice a creature. So if you sack a creature, you can Cabal Therapy again, which is amazing because you just looked at their hand. So it's a lot yeah. easier the second time. Um, this is it, a $10 card. Yeah, it's, exp- <laughs> it's expensive. It's 10 bucks. Would you play this in EDH, Jimmy? Um, only if I get to like flash, no, no, I don't think I would. It depends, right? So against the deck, like if, if I was only playing against Josh Lee Quidex and he has a bunch of like, you know, five color Marchesa, Nekusar decks, I would maybe play this. But right. if the, the meta really has to demand that you need to get a specific card out of someone's hand. If it exiled, then I would be way more likely to do it. Yeah. Putting it in the graveyard is generally just not that great. So... But it yeah. is. But you are going to first pick it because it's just worth money. Yeah, and it's also a card that um, is very good in non-singleton uh, formats because if they have multiple copies of like a Force of Will or you know anything in their hand, not yeah. Force of Will because it's a counter spell, but you'd be able to get rid of it essentially. It's an uncommon. That's a ten dollar uncommon. Yeah. Holy there's cow! A few, there's a few of those in here. Wow, it's pretty awesome. Well, this next card's worth more than $10. Oh, yes. It is Entomb. One black for an instant. Search your library for a card and put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. This can be one of the most powerful turn one plays in almost any format you can play Entomb in. Um, you can drop some crazy things in there. Uh, it's also a way in case you're about to get milled out or something, you can like drop a an Eldrazi in there and shuffle your deck. You know, Entomb has a lot of different uses, and it's... If you're using your graveyard as a second hand, then Entomb is amazing. So some decks need to have Life from the Loam in their graveyard. You could play Entomb just to make sure that Life of the Loam gets there. You know, this reminds me, I forgot to mention, at GP Vegas, I got into a game with Alex Kessler. There was a guy named Mike who just happens to be from Burbank. He's local. And then Mr. A.E. Marling. And Mr. Marling cast in tomb i don't know turn two or three and i don't remember exactly what the cards were he was playing a i think it was a stitcher gerald deck it was, yeah. a, it was a zombie deck anyway he just ended up using in tomb to go infinite on turn like six or seven and, oh, we're gosh. Like, and it, the funny thing is when he sat down he's like oh no this is just my vorthos deck it's just a story deck don't worry and then he just <laughs> infinites out on like turn six or seven and we're like all right, <laughs> I, all didn't, right. I did not expect that from the story deck yeah, That's but in, in Tomb is that kind of card where it it feels like not as good as a tutor when you read it, but it's actually sometimes a lot better because for certain decks, just putting it into the graveyard actually gives you more access to it. Yeah, totally. It's super, yeah, I've, I had to buy one of these a little while ago, and I was like, man, this card is expensive. No, Now you can open it in the pack. How exciting. Oh, the next one is, what is it, Icarid? Yep. Is that like Kid Icarus? I think so. I don't know. That's just a, a video game <laughs> nah, for me. It's just, it's just Icarid. So Icarid is three and a black for a creature horror. It's a three one. It has haste. At the beginning of the end step, sacrifice Icarid. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Icarid is in your graveyard, you may exile a black creature card uh, other than Icarid from your graveyard. 
if you do return Ikrid to the battlefield. So it's just sort of a very persistent threat. Yeah, it's also a $7 threat. It's just one of those cards that's like, oh, cool, this is this is a card that is awesome and limited. Um, could be very good if you have a lot of Edict effects or, you know, sort of the, the, the Grave Pact effects like Ikrid. It's just this thing that always keeps coming back and keeps getting sacked for everyone else to, mm-hmm. you know, sack Creature 2. So it's just another card I'm glad. I'm glad it's there. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Yeah. Uh, this next card, Necropotence, Necropotence. 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 Yeah. Necropotencio. Uh, black, black, black for an enchantment. <laughs> Skip your draw step. Whenever you draw, discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. And you can pay one life, exile the top card of your library face down, put that card into your hand at the beginning of your next end step. So essentially, you don't draw a card and you and you move the draw step uh, f- per card is one life and you move it to the beginning of your next end step. So with this, you can conceivably draw 39 cards in Commander if you're at 40 life. Um, it is ridiculously powerful. Uh, the casting cost is a little crazy, but it's just a very good card. Um, if you're the kind of deck that has a lot of flash stuff in there, plays with Dalkin Orrery, doesn't really care about not having cards during your main phases and is fine drawing a lot more cards at the cost of life at your end step instead. It's really just the main phase you play it, right? Because the main phase you play it, then on that end step, you're going to draw a bunch of cards. Yep. And... Unless you're really worried about your discard phase or something, you know, maybe maybe then you won't get access to like a ton of cards. But most of the time, you see people drop this and then just draw like twelve cards. Yeah, and even if you only draw two, let's say you drop it, you you, you take your turn, you draw the card for the turn, play Necropotence. You're not going to draw a card next turn. Just pay two life to draw two cards at the end of your turn. You've already done more than now. You have those cards a whole turn cycle early, if that makes sense. So if it's a counter spell, it could be anything else. But you have those cards now as opposed to on your next draw step. So the skip your draw step is really not relevant here. It's pretty insane, this card. It's one of the better card draw spells ever. Like you said, you have to be pretty heavy black. I would play this more, but I play so many five-color and four and three-color decks that it's really hard with, for the black, black, black casting costs to just make sure you can always get it. But when people get yeah. it out, and then when I've had it out, you just feel amazing. You're like, I, I can draw as many cards as I feel like. This is awesome. Yeah, killing it. Uh, the next card is a card we talk about all the time, and I'm glad they're reprinting it because it came out in a Commander product, and it's gotten pretty expensive. It's Toxic Deluge, or Toxic Deluge. Yep. It's two and a black for a sorcery. As an additional cost to to uh, cast Toxic Deluge, pay X life. All creatures get negative X, negative X until end of turn. Yeah, that is... It's. I think it's the best board wipe in Commander, honestly. It's definitely, yeah, it might be the best. It's it definitely gets so much. It's definitely up there because, for one, it costs three mana. So it's the cheapest of the board wipes. Most other board wipes that are this cheap are limited. Like, they'll only do three damage to all creatures or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then because it's negative X, negative X, it actually kills all the indestructible creatures, too. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to take some life, but we have 40 life. So that's usually, like, a small downside. Yeah, it's just, and it, you can very selectively do it too. You can do minus five, minus five, and you have a yeah. six, six in play or whatever. You know, it's it's very controllable. Your life total is, if your life total is affecting how much you can toxic deluge for, you may not have been winning that game anyway, but it can still get you out of holes that you otherwise would not, it would never be able to survive from. Yeah, it's it's a great card. It's one of those cards where I have a few, but yeah, I haven't really wanted to buy more. So there's quite a few decks I have with black in them that don't have one. Yep. 
So very good stuff. I'm excited that all my black decks will now have a toxic deluge. <laughs> I am too. All right. Uh, chain lightning. We're moving into red, and of course, lightning, a one red sorcery. Mm, burn, burn spell. That's where I want to be. This is uh, one of those most flavorful cards from early magic. Yeah, and it, it, it has been climbing steadily in price for a very long time. Uh, so it's not easy to get anymore. Like It's like a $10 card from Legends, I think. Um, and there's like a premium foil version of it as well in one of those deck series. But now it's here. It's great. It's a huge popper staple. It's one red for a sorcery. It deals three damage to target creature or player. Then that player or that creature's controller may pay red red. If the player does, he or she may copy this spell and choose a new target for that copy. So if you have enough red mana, you can like fling the chain lightning in another direction. It's pretty funny. It's pretty yeah, great. Pretty crazy. Most of the time, it's just another. It's a second copy of Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, Pyroblast is the next one we have written down. This we talked about earlier. It's the inverse of Hydroblast. It's a uh, one red mana, and then you choose one counter target spell if it's blue, or destroy targets permanent if it's blue. Yep. Same thing. Um, yep. Nothing else to say. We already talked about it. You want to do the next one? Sure. Price of Progress. This feels more like a Jimmy card. I'm going to let you read it. All right. One in a red for an instant. Price of Progress deals damage to each player equal to twice the number of non-basic lands that player controls. Let's go. <laughs> Mono red decks. Uh, uh, this is like a finisher, honestly, in Commander. Um, this, this card is also like a $4 card. So now and that's, now it's an uncommon, which is awesome. But yeah, this card's sweet. This card just says, kill Josh. Yeah. This, this card is often like, Josh... Are you ready to take 26 damage? I mean, this card straight kill me. This Think about in the uh, five-color lands deck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. There's not a single basic in that, and its whole job is to just get lands into the battlefield. It could just easily do 80 damage. Can't wait to put this in my mono red deck because I didn't have it before. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, the next one, super exciting. It's sneak attack. Oh, yeah. Three in a red. Enchantment. You pay one red mana, and it says you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. That creature gains haste. Sacrifice the creature at the beginning of the next end step. So you just, it's one red mana to get a creature out, and it attacks that turn, or it has haste. And then there's all kinds of ways around the sacrifice thing, and sometimes you just want to sacrifice it anyway. Or you can sacrifice it to Ashnod's Altar and actually gain mana on the exchange, stuff like that. Yeah, and notably a lot of these effects that are like, hey, put this creature from here onto the battlefield for free almost always say exile the further we got into Magic's history. And Sneak Attack is an old enough card that just says sacrifice the creature. So I play a Felden deck that loves taking creatures from the graveyard and putting them onto the battlefield again. Uh, Sneak Attack does the same thing where it can put a creature into the graveyard so Felden has a target for it. It's kind of like a discard outlet in a weird, bizarre way as well. For one red, you get to discard any card in your hand at the end of the turn. Uh, and you also get the additional bonus that sometimes they just come in and swing and attack for a billion damage. So It also works great with cards like Marchesa because if you bring it in with haste, swing with it, it get, and, it's, and uh, you're attacking the person with the most life or tied for the most life, then it'll get a 1-1 counter. Then when you sacrifice it, it'll actually come back on the battlefield. And what did you just do there? You basically cast the card for one red mana. Yep. And Pretty awesome. And sneak attack actually doesn't, like, it doesn't say you can only do this once per turn. So if you've got four red mana, you could drop four creatures on. I mean, that's when it kind of gets insane is if you get sneak attack out on turn four, sometimes on turn five, you can just literally, like, hit somebody for a bajillion because you just pay, like, three red mana and drop three huge creatures and swing. Yeah. 
I mean, very if they're powerful. If they're Eldrazi, they have Annihilator. <laughs> like in the Joyra deck now. Again, I don't own a sneak attack because it's expensive, um, and I just haven't had a deck where I absolutely needed it. But now I'm like, yeah, in the Joyra deck, which plays like all the Eldrazi, this card is insanity. Yep. Even if it shovels into your library, it doesn't matter. Once you get it down and it's able to just swing and then just wreck people's faces, you won't need it again. You're you're in a commanding position, and you just draw anything at that point, and it's, again, live with Sneak Attack on the battlefield. I mean, think of playing Sneak Attack on turn four. That's without any ramp. And then on turn five, you sneak in, you know, the old Ulamog. It doesn't, the new Ulamog. <laughs> or the new one, but the old one's better because of Annihilator. And you swing true, at them. True. It's turn five. You swing at them with Annihilator two or four or whatever, depending on the uh, on what Eldrazi it is. They're done. Like, that player's in huge trouble. If they'll not get Annihilator forward on turn five. Yeah, there's not much they can do. Um, they just have to... They immediately become crippled. Uh, you yeah. have to figure out how to get back from that position, which is not an easy task. Yeah, this card Pretty is crazy. amazing. Yep. All right, uh, we have a red mythic coming up next. It's World Gorger Dragon. Three red, red, red for a 7-7 seven, seven Flying Trample Nightmare Dragon. It's pretty exciting. Um, whenever World Go- uh, <clears throat> When World Gorger Dragon enters the battlefield, exile all other permanents you control. When World Gorger Dragon leaves the battlefield, return the exiled cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. So if you have a way to flicker this consistently... Uh, something like Animate Dead goes infinite with World Gorger Dragon. It's actually a combo you can pull pull off in EMA. You can generate infinite mana because every time uh, World Gorger Dragon exits the battlefield, you get your lands and stuff back. You can tap them for mana, and then World Gorger comes back into play once you cast uh, Animate Dead to target it, and it just continues to cycle. So you can do lots of crazy things with it. Um, it just says exile all other permanents you control. That's an insane amount of text. And then, and if you have any enter into the battlefield abilities, those all happen again when those exiled cards come back when World Gorger Dragon leaves the battlefield. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Be very careful because then somebody does something like takes control of it or. Yeah, you know, or pacifisms it, you know, something that gets rid of it without it leaving the battlefield. Obviously, you're not playing World Gorger fairly. You're doing something unfair with it. Yeah. Um, like you said, with the flickering or the animate dead or whatever. Has a very high upside. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the next one's interesting because I wouldn't have put this on the list. You did. It's Young Pyromancer. It's one in a red for a 2-1 human shaman. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 1-1 red elemental creature token onto the battlefield. This was originally from M- M14, I want to say. Yep. Um, it's kind of the the marquee red 2-drop, if there is one. Yeah, and foil versions of this run for like 20, 20 bucks plus. And because every Eternal Masters has uh, a foil in it, getting a foil young Pyromancer is totally doable. And this is a card that sees a lot playing Legacy as well. This is the only other time it's ever been reprinted, so... Welcome back, young Pyromancer. <laughs> Welcome back, young Pyromancer. That was creepy. <laughs> yes. All right, on to green. Our first green card is Argothian Enchantress. It's one in a green for a zero one human druid. Has shroud. Says whenever you cast an enchantment spell, draw a card. People were a little upset that this was in the mythic slot, but it's a very good card if you have an enchantment based deck. Um, it's. It is perplexing that it is in the mythic slot. I'll, I'll give them that. It's this one's a yeah. head scratcher. It is. I mean, the, compare the power level of this to Jace the Mind Sculpture, and you've sort of got your answer. Yeah, not the mythic you want to open, but it is useful in certain decks, and there are definitely enchantress decks. So there's the uh, 
Verduran Enchantress, I think. Uh-huh. And there's a couple other cards that are sort of similar to this. And if you sort of package them all into one deck with a bunch of enchantments, obviously, then they can be the engine that kind of makes the deck go. Yeah. Um, next up, this is totally a popper card. Uh, Elvish Vanguard, one in the green. It's a 1-1 one, one elf warrior. Whenever another elf enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Elvish Vanguard. This used to be a rare. It's a very good elf card. Now you can run four of them in your popper decks and go to town. That's all there is to say about that. That's cool. Uh, green Sun Zenith is next. It's a green and X for a sorcery. Search your library for a green creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Shuffle Green Sun Zenith into its owner's library. So it's a two. It's kind of like um, Court of Calling. It only gets a green creature. Of course, it costs a little bit less. Doesn't have Convoke. Anyway, it shuffles itself back into your library. It's a very good card in a lot of green decks because if you're playing sort of toolboxy stuff, then you may need to go get specific creatures. Of course, you can always get combo pieces and things like that. Yeah, and it puts it onto the uh, battlefield. So that is always nice too. So you're not actually you don't have to pay for it again after you tutor for it. You you know you pay the cost for the tutor and it pops it on the battlefield. So that's nice. Yeah, you can kind of look at Green Sun Zenith as it's another copy of every green creature in your deck. It just costs one more mana. Yep, that's a very that's a very good way of looking at it. Uh, next up, we have Regal Force. Four green, green, green for a 5-5 five, five creature elemental. Uh, when Regal Force enters the battlefield, draw a card for each creature you control. Each green um, creature. Green creature, yeah, yeah. So it, it loves, obviously, the forest as well. Now, this card has only seen, again, one printing ever. Uh, so it is an awesome card for, like, you know, green decks that want to be playing a lot of green creatures. Green token decks, decks. Elf decks, token decks, yeah. Um, and especially if you're heavy in green and don't have that much card draw, otherwise this is one of the best sort of, like, if you pay 7 mana and draw, like, 15 cards, that is awesome. And really big mana costs are, if you're in green, that's not as prohibitive because green's just really good at making a lot of mana, so. Totally. Oh, the next one's exciting. It's Sylvan Library. This is Ugh, a, this is definitely a commander so staple. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's one in a green for an enchantment. At the beginning of your draw step, you may draw two additional cards. If you do... Choose two cards in your hand, uh, drawn this turn. For each of those cards, pay four life or put the card on top of the library. So you basically, at the start of your turn, you draw three cards, and then you choose one of them, and you put the other two back. Unless you want to keep one of the other two, and then you can keep them at the cost of four life each. Yeah, pretty exciting. Uh, Obviously, with 20 life in... Uh, 1v1, this is very hard to keep a lot of cards, but this can also read, draw three cards, choose the best one, put the other two on top every yes. single turn. So, uh, in EDH, this card is, i say, a must-play in every single green deck. It just, the ability it provides you, especially as early as turn two, is just unparalleled. Yeah, just you can stack cards there, too, like the high casting cost stuff. Well, I can't cast that la- yet, so I don't need to draw it yet, so I'll make sure I draw a land this turn. And also, of course, we know there are many creatures, and not just creatures, but other effects in Magic that care about what the top card of your library is. Well, this lets you know what the top card of your library is, so all of a sudden you can reliably use those type of effects. Sylvan Library, just so, so good. I think you're totally right. There's very few green decks that, if they don't have a Sylvan Library, wouldn't be improved by having one. Agreed. All right. 
We're done with the primary colors. Let's move on to multicolored. First up is a reprint that people have been clamoring for for a very long time. Baleful Strix uh, was originally printed in Commander, I believe, or Plane Chase. Uh, it's blue and a black for a 1-1 artifact creature bird. It has flying and death touch. And if that's not enough, when Baleful Strix enters the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, this card is just overall incredibly useful it has so many different things that's good about it it's an artifact it's flying it's got death touch and it also draws you a card so it replaces itself um and it's great i'm just glad it's here i'm glad that it is an uncommon oh no it's a rare uh i'm just glad to have this card back because it's a really fun utility card if you're playing like an esper deck that loves artifacts this card is super good in that yeah it's very very efficient it's just hyper efficient like you get that out you didn't lose a card because you drew a card, and it's just going to keep you safe from a lot of early plays because no one's going to just want to trade off their thing for your 1-1 flyer that you already drew a card off of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next card, Banned in Modern, Super Powerful, Blood, blood Braid... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, blood Braid Elf. Man, say that three times faster. Maybe I'm just tired. It uh, <laughs> costs two, a green and a red... For a 3-2 Elf Berserker, Berserker has haste, and it also has Cascade. So Cascade is when you cast this spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less, so less than the four mana. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Put the exiled cards on the bottom in a random order. So these cards with Cascade, you'll know if you play against Maelstrom Wanderer or uh, in your playgroup, which is insanely powerful, and also in this set, that Cascade is crazy powerful. It's card advantage because you get another card, but it also casts the card. Yep, for and it, free, and it casts it, so you get cast triggers and stuff. And it uh, Cascade is like so so good. So many people will play. We've talked about this a few times in the past. Something like Bloodbraid Elf, or we're going to talk about Shardless Agent in a little bit where because they're low CMC, they're four and three CMC, they'll actually build their decks with only like one or two cards that are under that CMC, so they're guaranteed to hit those cards if they use Bloodbraid Elf or Shardless Agent. Yeah, which is really crazy. It's a, it's an easy way to like make sure you get your combo pieces off. Um, yeah, if you, and, if you build yeah, your great. deck around something that costs two mana, you can basically play only Shardless Agent as your only uh, as, as a three-drop or sorry, not only Shardless Agent. You can play like Shardless Agent or Bloodbraid, and Bloodbraid is going to find Shardless Agent, which is going to find the two drop if you have nothing else that costs less than uh, three or less, basically. Yeah. So, um, also, this card will take cards that have stuff like Suspend on them and just be able to cast it. So if you uh, play this and then pop Ancestral Vision out, you don't actually suspend it for four mana. You just draw three cards immediately. Oh, this card's so good. Yeah. Cascade is just so good. <laughs> Yep. Next up, the greatest thief in the multiverse is back to steal from us again. It's Dak Faden, one blue and a red for a Planeswalker. Dak comes in with three loyalty. He can plus one to make a target player draw two cards and discard two cards. He can minus two to gain control of target artifact. And he minus sixes with you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, gain control of those permanents. So he is truly the greatest thief. He was first printed in Conspiracy. He's back now at the mythic level. Uh, gain control of an artifact for minus two is incredible. Uh, I usually play Dak and then steal a Guild of Lotus, and I love my life. 
Yeah, it's the best. And then even if Dak dies, it's not that bad. You got you you're still up mana basically. Yeah, a three mana steal a lotus is like all right, thumbs up. <laughs> and then if he doesn't die, which often he doesn't because that's just the way it goes, then you're just starting to get some card advantage and then steal something else. Yeah, Dak's crazy good. Was only printed the one time. Has you know is very expensive because of it. It's good to get another printing. Yeah, and also a chance to get a foil version of it because the foil version of Dak Faden is, I believe, several hundred dollars or something really? crazy. Yeah, wow. it's out there because it's only been seen once. One time, so. yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, the next card is the aforementioned Maelstrom Wanderer. So that's five, a blue, a red, and a green. So eight mana total, legendary creature elemental. It's a seven, five. It says, creatures you control have haste. But that wasn't powerful enough. It says Cascade. But that wasn't powerful enough. It says Cascade again. <laughs> so you cast Maelstrom Wanderer, and then you flip cards from the top of your library until you find a spell that costs seven or less, and then you cast that for free, and then you do that again. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Any, I mean, uh, people play it as a commander for good reason. Maelstrom Wanderer decks are some of the most powerful decks, and as soon as they get to the mana, and usually there's a ton of ramp in them, um, then they cast Maelstrom Wanderer and their board is ridiculous because the stuff they cast has haste because Maelstrom Wanderer says creatures <laughs> you control have haste. It's insane. <sighs> uh, Jack Landis, feature match Jack, he played yeah. a Maelstrom Wanderer deck against us uh, in one of the commander games. Yep, he smashed my face in with it. Yeah, he smashed um, mine too. <laughs> also, I might add that both Bloodbraid Elf and Maelstrom Wanderer and a lot of other cards in the set have brand new art. And the art looks sick. It looks awesome. Like, this new Maelstrom Wanderer is is going to be the go-to version, I think, if I ever build this deck. Well, and foils of this are going to be a lot. Because Maelstrom was already up there because, again, I think it's only been printed the one time. So, oh, yeah. was it in From the Vault? I think it was From the Vault uh, or Commander's Arsenal or something. So maybe it's been printed twice, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, either way, the card is awesome. It was in Plane Chase, Commander's Arsenal, and then the uh, the original... Actually, that's it. Just playing Chase and yeah, that's Arsenal. It. Yeah, so this card's awesome. The new art is totally sweet. Can't wait. Can't wait. The next one was only from Plane Chase, right? Um, Vindicate? Shardless. Oh, Shardless Agent. Yes. So the next card is Shardless Agent. I believe this has only been pl- printed in Plane Chase. Uh, again, this is the blue-red... Uh, ver- oh, sorry, I'm sorry. This is the blue-green version of Blood Braid Elf. It's just one blue and a green for a 2-2 that has Cascade. Um, and again, people will build decks around this as well. There's a judge promo of this, uh, but otherwise, the plane chase version is like, it's like ten dollars or something crazy. Yeah, all I, these prices are going to go down, fortunately. But yeah, lovely card. It, they'll probably rebound though, as we saw with like doubling season and stuff from the first Modern Masters. It went down for a little while, and then it's right back to where it was. Um, yeah, totally. Charlotte's Agent is actually sort of sneakily better than Bloodbraid Elf and Commander because it's a lot easier to build your deck with only a couple two drops than it is to build your deck with only a couple three or two drops. So yeah. Shardless in Commander can be like, literally, I only have one thing that costs two mana or less. And so when I cast Shardless Agent, I always get it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so good. Um, Vindicate, the next one. Vindicate used to be so great. It's still very good, but they keep printing Utter Ends and Anguish Unmakings, which has made it a little bit worse. It's uh, still an amazing card, though. It's still an amazing card, and I still want to put it in every deck that's in black-white. So it's one black-white, so three mana total for a sorcery. Destroy, target, permanent. So 
two things going on here that's a little different than something like Utter End. Utter End is an instant, costs one colorless mana, or sorry, one generic mana more, so four mana total. It says destroy, or sorry, exile, exile. target, non-land permanent. So it's weird because Utter End exiles, it's at instant speed, but it can't hit lands. Vindicate is sorcery speed, costs one less mana, but it can hit lands. It sort of makes them, I think Vindicate, I don't know which one's better. It's really interesting. I sort of think instant speed is very, very powerful. I think Anguish Unmaking is the best one, John. Well, yeah, of okay, course. Thank you. Then they made Anguish <laughs> Unmaking, which is just utter end, but it costs one less mana and three life instead. Yeah. But hitting lands is huge. Yeah, it's it sorcery speed. It is destroying. It's not exiling it. It's still very, very powerful, obviously, um, just because it is more flexible in that way that you can grab lands with it. Yeah, I mean, take care of someone's Glacial Chasm. Sounds pretty good to me. I mean, basically, if you have a deck with black and white, all three of those are probably in it. They're better than, you know, most other single-target removal spells because they're so versatile. Yeah. They hit almost everything or literally in Vindicate's case, they hit everything. Yeah, unfortunately, Vindicate cannot get rid of a lot of the Eldrazi if they're indestructible. That's sort of like the big thing is it doesn't yeah, that's a good indestructible point. stuff. But at the same time, it can still get lands and again i think it's meta dependent i think you don't necessarily have to run all three you could be fine running two out of the three and then the swords or path to exile and all that stuff but yeah it just depends i kind of miss the tie fighter in the art though <laughs> yeah me too the tie advanced yeah um all right the last multicolored card we have here is the one and only death right shaman uh this card is it's gotta be one of the best elves ever printed i think it's the it's, best one drop of all time yeah, outside of like Soul Ring, right? Best no, 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 I'm that one drop creature, yeah. I mean, Delver yeah. is the other one, I guess. Yeah, but I think for our... For, for EDH, us, it's definitely yeah, the best. This yeah. or like birds, but this is still amazing. So Deathrite Shaman is, he only costs one mana. It's either black or green, so it's a hybrid mana. It's a creature elf shaman, one, two. You can tap it to exile target land card from a graveyard, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Usually you're going to be getting rid of fetch lands with this. Yep. Uh, you can pay a black and then tap it to exile target instant or sorcery card from a graveyard. Each opponent loses two life. Or you can pay a green to tap it to exile target creature card from a graveyard and you gain two life. So this thing is just, it's like a relic of progenitus, like, but on crack. You know, you can choose things to exile from graveyards. You have effects that are all extremely powerful that come with it. And, I mean, just exiling something from a graveyard is powerful enough as it is, especially if it's something that someone's looking to recur. If it's like a Marchesa in the graveyard, uh, the Deathrite Chamber can take care of it. And you can also use it as a mana dork if people are using fetch lands. Yeah, when we talk about graveyard hate, we're always talking about graveyard hate that's not just graveyard hate. Because if you're not playing against a deck that cares against its graveyard, then the cards that only worry about graveyard hate, they don't do anything. But something like Deathrite... If you're not playing against a graveyard-based deck, it still does good things for you. It creates mana, it deals damage to everybody, it gains you life. But if you are playing against a graveyard deck, it also like can hose them and take out key cards that they're tra- that they're counting on to sort of dredge or get back or flashback or blah blah blah. Yeah, absolutely. God, it's so powerful. Um, it's funny though. I always this is one of the cards I always end up cutting from my decks. It's funny because in the five color lands deck, it's it was basically like my. Well, that deck has like 52 lands, so I think it was like my 49th or 50th card. I did end up cutting it. I don't know if that's correct. I may go back and add it. Like I said, the deck is not its not great, yeah. uh, but I, I'm with you. It's very often like right on the edge, and I don't play it. I have it in a few decks, but it yep. probably is not correct. I probably should have it in more. 
Yeah, I, I could see myself too, especially because of the shenanigans that happen with people's graveyards. It's just, it's never a bad play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, the next, we're going on to artifacts now. The next one is Ashnod's Altar. It's one of our spoiler cards. We talked about it a ton already. I'm not going to go into it much. Three mana for an artifact. It says sacrifice a creature, add a diamond, diamond, or two colorless to your mana pool. Yep. And the new art looks awesome. I can't wait to see what this looks like in foil version because I believe this is the first foil printing of it as well. Yeah, so. go check out the Magic Man Sam's uh, video ode to Ashnod's altar. He says yeah. everything you need to know about it. Yeah, totally. Um, after that, we've got Chrome Mox. It's another mythic. It's a zero-drop artifact. It has imprint. When Chrome Mox enter the battlefield, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand. And you can tap Chrome Mox to add one mana of any of the exiled card's colors to your mana pool. Uh, this obviously is more powerful and sees more, more play in, the, in formats where you, like Legacy, where you want to be playing Affinity or whatever. But um, this card is great. It's kind of like a turn zero or turn one uh, mana ramp. You know, you have a Chrome Mox and a Forest in your hand. You can play Sylvan Library in turn one. It's very, very powerful. Basically, any card that says the word Mox on it is very good. Yeah. It is card disadvantage, again, because you lose the card, but you can make it so that it taps for multiple colors. Uh, yeah, it's definitely playable in almost any deck, depending. Yeah, very good card. Um, this next card. you One of your I favorites. This card. Yeah, I play this a lot. Go ahead, you can read it. All right, Duplicant, six-drop artifact creature, Shapeshifter. It's a 2-4. Imprint, when Duplicant... Actually, that's fine. There's two imprint cards in a row. Imprint, when Duplicant enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-token creature. So immediately, it says six mana, get rid of a non-token creature, exiling it. This will take care of many things on the battlefield, including Eldrazi. And as long as a card exiled with Duplicant is a creature card, Duplicant has the power, toughness, and creature types of the last creature card exiled with Duplicant. It's still a shapeshifter. So this can become a 10-10 Eldrazi if it exiles Nulamog. Um, more importantly, this is an enter-the-battlefield ability, so you can flicker the crap out of this guy. In a Kiki-Jiki deck, Duplicant is one of the best cards you can play in that deck. Yeah, it's super good. In a flicker deck, it's just removal. It's just spot removal. Uh... That's why it's really so good, is it just exiles something, and it's reusable. Pretty great. It's a great card. I love that card. You have taken out a lot of my creatures with that thing yeah. over the years. Um, Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. Not bitter at all. <laughs> all right, next one is Goblin Charbelcher. This was the Professor's preview card. It's four mana for an artifact. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of words on this thing. Okay, there hold on. is. <laughs> Take a breath. Okay. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land card. Goblin Charbelcher deals damage equal to the number of non-land cards revealed this way to target creature or player. If the revealed land card was a mountain, Goblin Charbelcher deals double that damage instead. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in any order. This is a really interesting card. Now, I don't know if you can do... There's a whole legacy deck built around this card. I don't know if you can do this in Commander. Probably somebody has tried it. Probably you can. Uh, in legacy, you basically build a deck that only has one land in it. <laughs> and it's usually like a it's usually like a dual land that's like mountain and forest, so taiga. Uh, and you use like Simeon Spirit Guides and a few other... There's some other cards that can basically produce mana for free or can go find the one taiga that you've got. And so when you Charbelcher, you're guaranteed basically to just flip over almost your entire deck and kill somebody. 
Yeah. Pretty exciting. You do have to... It does cost three mana to tap it and do it, so you have to have... You have to be able to play it and then get that three mana yeah. out, but, like, it's a guaranteed kill almost always. You... In, in Legacy, they use rituals and things like that that create a bunch of mana from one mana, and so they're huge card disadvantage, but doesn't matter because they're going to play the Charbelger, tap it, kill you, and there's a lot of turn zero or turn one kills from it. Um, very powerful. I don't know in Commander if that's... It's... I mean... It seems like you'd be crazy to build a deck that way because you can't even guarantee you get the Charbelcher. Like, you can't have four of them. And even if you could, you got 100 cards instead of 60. I don't know. Yeah. There's probably people that play this card, and maybe there's some decks with very few lands. I'd love to see a deck that, that uses this in EDH and works. You'd really need a few other cards that basically incentivize you to have few lands in your deck. Mm-hmm. And if there was enough of those, maybe it could happen. I don't know. I'd love to hear from people out there if they've seen a deck in their meta that or anywhere that sort of Goblin Charbelcher works in. it's. I don't know if the card's even expensive or whatever. It's a super interesting card, and it's one of those funny old cards that they would never print a card like this anymore because it's got so much text on it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it is very interesting indeed. Um, but again, it's one of those cards that started climbing up in price. Now has a new art on it too, which is very cool looking. I like it a lot. I mean, it's one of the few legacy decks that doesn't really require a really expensive mana base. Now, I don't, yeah. I don't think the deck is, like, cheap, 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 but it's because there's not a bunch of tropical islands and volcanic islands and stuff, it's actually not, like, on the super high expensive end, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up, we have the my, my favorite reprint of the entire set. I know it's probably yours, too. Oh, yeah, because um, I don't have one. Yeah. By the way, this is the first card that we mentioned uh, on our Eternal Masters episode about cards that we want to see reprinted. And yeah, and we, t- we were like, they'll never do it. They'll never do it. And they did. It's Mana they Crypt. They did it! Woohoo! Zero cost artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, Mana Crypt deals three damage to you. Otherwise, you tap this sucker to add Diamond Diamond or two colorless mana to your mana pool. It is a free soul ring uh, that just occasionally does three damage to you. You have a 50% chance of losing life uh, every upkeep, of your upkeep. But otherwise, this card is absurd. It's better than soul ring, and soul ring is the single most powerful spell in Commander and maybe in the history of Magic. And this is better than it in Commander because the damage means less. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so good. It's beyond good. It's it, is my, it is the card that I'm like, someday I'm going to have one of these in all of my decks. And now that's actually getting closer to being true. How yeah. exciting. It's still going to... Well, yeah, but do you have Tarmogoyf in all your deck? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, so that I don't know if that's going to pan out exactly for all your decks, but you're definitely going to have more of them. Yeah, for sure. This I'm next excited. card, though, may be a lot more attainable now. Yes. So it's Sensei's Divining Top. We talk about this card quite a bit. It's one mana for an artifact. You pay one mana, look at the top three cards of your library, put them back in any order, or you can tap tap the top and draw a card, then put Sensei's Divining Top on top of its owner's library. That's a lot of tops. Um, So you either rearrange the top three cards of your deck for one mana, and you can... You can do that as many times as you've got mana for it. It uh, mm-hmm. doesn't require tapping the top. Or you tap the top put, and then basically trade it with the top card of your library. So you put it on top of your library, then draw that card. That's also amazingly powerful because it protects the top from board wipey destruction type spells. A lot of times what happens is somebody plays like a Vandal Blast or a, you know one of those destru- uh, Navinural's Disc or something like that. And you quickly like rearrange the top three cards of your library, and then 
put the top on top of it and draw a card, and then you know you're going to draw it next turn. So, Yeah, I've used this also to make sure I hit land drops. You top oh, yeah. at the end step, you're like, crap, I'm not going to draw a land next turn. Like, oh, now I can. Or you can just top on your turn to like hopefully draw the next card and hope it is a land. You know, there's lots of different things you can use the top for. It is the, one of the best cards you can play in Commander, and now it's finally going to be more accessible to everyone. Again, um, it's one of the most powerful cards ever printed it makes the miracles decks and things like that like super powerful. Think of top with like Oracle of Moldaya, mm-hmm. where you just you know you can guarantee you get a land there, and so Oracle just starts basically drawing you two cards every turn. Like, ugh, top is so good. Whenever you have it in play, you feel in so much in command of the game. Yeah, very often when I tutor uh, for a card like with a Trinket Mage, it's either like, do I need the Soul Ring or I'd rather have the top? And usually I go for the top because I think in the long run it's just a more powerful play. Yeah, I think Soul Ring's probably better turns one through three, and then after that it's just top. Yep, for sure. Um, And also, a brief aside, a lot of people complain about the top saying it makes games longer and it it drags them out so much. I have actually never found this to be the case. Uh, I think it does a little bit, and and you know one of the but things, but not to is, the point where it's oppressive. I don't think, especially if you communicate it with the group. Yeah, one of the things is you just have to communicate it with the group and allow people to do things like top. Like a lot of times, I'll be like, "Listen, I'm going to top on the end step before my turn, but if you guys do something crazy in the meantime, then I may change what what it is." But yeah, so just let me do this basically because. I'll save time in the long run. And so, like, I'll, I'll rearrange my cards so that I'm not literally doing it while everyone's sitting there watching me. And then if somebody does something nuts, I'll go like, okay, well, I, I would have topped for something different on top. Then I'll do it. Yeah. But that's usually not the case. So yep. that, that, having that level of communication and letting people do that will make it a lot better. Certainly. Top is a great card. Um, all right, next up, we have Winter Orb. You like this card a lot, Josh. It's a two-mana artifact. As long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untap steps. Classic stacks. Classic stacks. Not a lot to say about it. It has to go in the type of deck that can take advantage of it. Um, you also want to play it with things like Icy Manipulator or other effects that allow you to tap it when you want to. Yeah, pretty yeah. powerful card, though. Yep. Um, it's also a great way to like if you're up ahead on board and you know your opponent has to play big spells to get you in they be like you play this and you're like all right deal with it <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of times that's just good enough right like you're ahead on board and they're tapped out and you don't have to be super far ahead and you just play winter orb and now it's like well how are they going to catch back up yeah especially if you have decks that have lower like you have a lot of two drops a lot of power yeah. one drops you know in that case you're really set to take advantage of the situation and counter spells are great because you hold two mana open now anything they cast that costs more than two mana they're just set so far back yeah totally all right oh this is a huge reprint go ahead caracas we can't play it in our format but it doesn't matter because this is a land that is like ninety dollars plus, and uh, the foils. Yeah, the foils Those are, are going to be more. crazy. Yeah, so you can tap this to add a white tier mana pool. It's a legendary land, or you can tap it to return target legendary creature to its owner's hand. Now, again, the reason that this is not legal in EDH is because it is just way too abusable, and it's way too powerful for our format. But it's just a card we had to mention it because this is like the, another huge, huge reprint at Mythic Rare for this set. So it's very exciting. I mean, when you think about uh, Modern Masters, there was basically like one card in the about $100 range. This yeah. this set has, what, four or five? Yeah, it's it's definitely pushing it. It's crazy. I mean, and, then, and there's actually quite a few in the $50 or so range, too. The value of the set looks insane. 
Um, it's definitely positive EV currently. People have made the uh, the um, the calculations, and it, the average pack is worth more than the MSRP. It's crazy. Uh, the next one, another very good reprint. It's not quite fifty bucks, but it's still not cheap. Is Maze of Ith. So this is a land we talk about all the time. I believe it was on both of our top ten lands. You tap it, untap target attacking creature. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to and dealt by that creature this turn. Pretty good. You can do this to other people's creatures as well. So you can really be like, hey, I'll do you a favor. This guy that's attacking you, I can maze with it. You gotta yep. help me out. You can do it to your own creature, we've said. You know, if you've got Helva or Kalia or a, a creature that cares, uh, Narset that you want to attack with, but you don't want it to die by getting blocked then you can untap it really quick um, and, and fog it, basically, and still get the effect. Yeah, very powerful. Um, our last card we're going to talk about today is one another of the first one of the cards, cards spoiled. Yeah, it is Wasteland. Uh, the brand new art, it looks like the City of Brass is being disintegrated here. Uh, you can tap it to add a colorless mana to your mana pool, or you can tap it, sacrifice wasteland, destroy target non-basic land. Now, this card's actually been reprinted a bunch in different formats, but it's still in a, a very expensive card. Um, and I think it's 100% commander playable because, hey, you know, get ri- getting rid of someone's land is a powerful, powerful ability indeed. So, I mean, this is um, the fair strip mine. Yeah, And absolutely. strip mine is crazy powerful, so even the fair version is still broken. Not to mention, if you open it, you're just opening like a $40 bill currently. So, Pretty good. Pretty good. They don't have $40 bills, though. Oh, that's true. Hmm. So you are you have counterfeit money, and you're going to get arrested. You should probably not do that, guys. Be careful. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> probably not do that. Maybe, but probably. Yeah, exactly. Okay, before we get to the listeners, let's talk briefly about Grand Prix LA because it has finally happened, and we are now on the other end of it, and it was an incredible experience. So cool. Woohoo! Woohoo! GPLA. It happened, and, uh, and this time we actually have it in our past. Like we're not like projecting it into the future. Like we actually, this is real. This actually happened to us. We're not faking it. Like last episode. Yep, and uh, we correctly predicted that it would be a blast. We had an awesome, awesome time. It was crazy awesome. Um, dang, I'm still recovering. Are you? I. It took me a bit, and I definitely need to wake up a little bit more i've i think i've gotten a little less sleep than i've wanted to but yeah i'm I'm recovering a little bit too yeah i still don't think i've 100 percent caught up on sleep uh it was it was great there was tons of people we met tons of people i'm gonna shout out some people here in a minute but the moral of the story is grand prix are awesome yeah they are super awesome it's just an opportunity for everyone to gather together and play magic in an open space Anyone can come in, anyone can play, and any kind of game that you want to play, you're going to find someone there that can play with you. And you're going to meet new people, and you're going to meet new, you know, you're going to be exposed to different kinds of decks, and you're just really going to be able to connect with other people in the Magic community. It's really, really awesome. I can't recommend it highly enough if there's one anywhere within your area. You know, you got to go check it out. I know casual players and commander players, it feels like it's not our thing, like it's a it's a competitive tournament environment, and that's not really something that most people who play Commander or Casual Magic are into or comfortable with, but that's actually not really what the Grand Prix is at all. That's a part of it, but yeah. there's this whole other part that's just people literally just hanging out that are all Magic players. Yep. 
that's the loveliest part. Uh, so let's get into some highlights. Josh, you had a lot. You played, you played a lot of Commander that weekend. I thought I played a decent amount, but no, you you took the cake on this one. <laughs> we were, yeah, I was there all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Played a lot of Commanders. I was gonna play more side events. Uh, that was my plan, but it just there was Commander games just going pretty much constantly. That we had like an area with, I don't know, sometimes fifty or more people there. And so, and there was a lot of people obviously waiting to play games with both of us, Jimmy. And so, you know, I just felt like I wanted to get as many games in with the listeners as possible. Um, I'm not sure how many I played. It was probably somewhere around 18 games of Commander or so over the weekend, which is a lot, especially since all the games are five or six players because, you know, you just got to get as many people in the game as possible. We capped it at six. We didn't do any above that. But yeah, so you got to definitely cap it at six. Otherwise, it gets crazy. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, exactly. So I think I only participated in three side events the entire um, time. So, but I did go undefeated. So that was good in side events, not in commander. In commander, I just got destroyed. <laughs> nice. That's great. Congrats. Uh, but you've still played quite a bit. I mean, a lot of a big chunk of time on Saturday and Sunday you were there. So Yeah, and I managed to queue for a couple of side events and be like, all right, guys, we have 30 minutes for this game. Are you ready? Get set, go. And almost, actually, there was never a single time that I had to miss anything or, you know, every game ended just almost exactly when it needed to. Uh, one game, unfortunately, did end with me just playing Ulamog and attacking people with it, which is not, like, my ideal way to win a game of Commander, especially against people that listen to the show. Whatever. But, Time constraints, I was like, all right, now later four. This is certainly a clock. So that worked out. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna, let's shout some people out here. So Jake Wafflecone Power 9 on Twitter and his buddy Jesse. These guys were the EDH grinders. Jake uh, had a life pad, and he kept it. And at the end of the GP, he told me he had played 41 Commander games. Holy crap. 41! These guys would get there as soon as the GP opened and set up their commander like stuff, and they would just play commander the entire day. Go home, come back the next morning, do it again. These guys are, I mean, kudos, Jake and Jesse. You guys are, I don't know, you're the Duracell batteries of EDH. <laughs> yeah, you have to go home to recharge, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, Kenny, a friend from San Diego, K Dog Legendary. And his buddy Tim were there. Kenny has a really good Cranko deck. Those guys are thinking about doing a Vorthos podcast, and I say Ooh. you guys need to record that and do that pretty soon. Also, um, Kenny did this funny thing where I was playing in a game and he wasn't in it, so he just sat next to me and started writing down like all the political shenanigans that I was doing. Oh, so, nice. So every time I would like... And I didn't really know at first what he was doing, so I was just playing my normal game, and you know, I like to talk a lot during games. And so he would just write down things. And then I was like, after a little while, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just taking notes. And I was like, let me see that. So here's some stuff he wrote down while I was playing. He goes, uh, somebody cast Wheel of Fortune. And then I said, oh, as a thank you, I'm going to cast Utter End, but I'm going to let you choose the target. <laughs> <laughs> the guy wow. who cast Wheel of Fortune. Um, the guy was about to play Elishnorn. Uh, or no, before the game, the guy pulled out Elishnorn, and I was like, Elishnorn, uh, hang on, I'm going to switch my deck. And then I didn't switch my deck, but I was just calling attention to Elishnorn before the game. Um, wow, that's, that's pretty high-level stuff right there. A guy played Dark Ritual into Erebos on turn two. Erebos was his commander. And I was like, uh-oh, Ritual into Erebos? That's not good. Another thing. <laughs> um, oh, I would high-five people when they would take down a threat. 
like they would kill something, I'd be like, nice work, and give them a high five. <laughs> um, oh, and then I just kept doing things like going, wow, that guy's really scary because he's, uh, he's guaranteed to cast this next turn. Anyway, Kenny had like a whole list. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, wow. Their buddy Chris Nguyen, oh, geez, he had me sign a Jace Vrins Prodigy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so intense. I, I remember was, you telling me about that. I was like, wait, what? I was trying to talk him out of it. Like, he was like, can you sign something for me? Sure. He hands me that, and I'm like, no, what do you want me to sign? And he's like, no, sign. This is my commander. And I'm like, can I, can I sign, like, the sleeve? <laughs> he's like, I'm never going to trade it away. It's my commander. And I'm like, I, uh, okay. And I did it, but I felt bad. That's hilarious. I believe I signed something for Chris as well. Yeah, you signed a Chandra. Yeah, not not nearly as crazy. Yeah, that's right. Actually, that's awesome. Yeah, Chris had um the the uh, the Flipwalkers from Origins as his commanders. So yeah, pretty sweet. Uh, there was oh, there's a guy named Michael who also was at GP San Diego, and he has a coin flip deck. Oh, that's awesome. So the whole deck just has as many of the coin flipping cards. And he only tries to kill people with coin flips. So no matter what else he's got on the board, he tries to make sure that a card, that like you die to a flip of the coin, basically. <laughs> that is, I, I love the flavor of that. I've thought of doing something similar because red is known for that sort of chaotic effect. And so, of course, knowing me, you could definitely make a sweet red deck out of it. You know what's funny is the deck's actually pretty good. In the game that I play, got to play against the coin flip deck, he won. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, nice. it's, it sounds like it would be bad. You know, like, it'd be like, ha, ha, ha. But then you play against the deck, and you're like, uh-oh, the deck's actually kind of scary. If it, like, boiled down to, like, hey, you have a 50% chance of winning this game, I would be like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, because I started with four people. I only had a 25% chance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this was a highlight. I think this was maybe the highlight of the weekend. So Eric Landis is at Proggy Boog on Twitter. He's a big uh, listener of the show. He's been around since almost the very beginning. His son, Jack Landis, nine years old, Playing in the main event. So he's playing in the main tournament, the modern tournament. He's nine. He's at five and three. So he's in his, you play nine rounds uh, on the first day. And if you go six and three, then you make it to day two. So Jackson, what we call a win and in. If he wins his last match, he makes it to day two. He's nine. So another listener of the show who we mentioned a lot, Shivam is there, and he walks up to the people from Wizards. I think he walks up literally to Helene Bergeau, who's like yep. in charge of competitive events and everything at Watsi. And he's like, you need to put this kid, Jack, on camera. He's a great story. He's nine years old. If he wins, he's into day two. And, she, and they were like, we should do that. And Jack got on camera for a feature match, and he was on the Twitch stream for Channel Fireball uh, playing the winning in for his day two. Pretty. That was great. The chat blew up. They were like, what is happening? Oh, my gosh, look how young. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Um, And so that was really awesome to see uh, because we got to hang out with Jack and Eric the whole weekend. So that was nice, too. That was like a really awesome, like, culmination of the whole thing. Yeah, that was a great moment. Jack was repping with his Ducks jersey on. And uh, the the funniest part about that was his opponent. Because his opponent's like walking into the feature match, going like, "What are we doing here? Why am I in a feature match? I'm just li- I'm <laughs> yeah, five like, and three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack unfortunately did not win that uh, match, so he didn't make day two. But what a showing for the for the young Magic prodigy. Yeah, and, that was uh, awesome. It just, it just meant that he got to play more Commander with us. Another story with Jack is he borrowed my Joyra deck, oh, and gosh. he ended up getting an It That Betrays out uh, on turn four. 
<laughs> with haste. Oh my gosh! And just like basically destroying everybody because you just attack. You know, sack two lands. He gets the lands. Then the following turn, Ulamog comes out. It was it was gross. Um, That's pretty brutal. Yeah. So Good job, sure. Jack. He's so, a killer. He he smacked me in the face with Maelstrom Wanderer a couple of times too, and I, I couldn't win against it. He's a he's a good player. It's amazing. He's he's so young, and also he flicks cards like Brian Kibler, so it's intimidating. Yeah, certainly. Um, oh, Donovan was a guy we hung out with. He went to sushi with us. Donovan had a Narset deck, I believe, and then he, but it wasn't normal Narset. He would actually try and get a salt suit on it. Yes, this so, was, this is the best. So, so that, everyone gets Narset. Yeah, it's it was pretty awesome. So. Yeah, so he, like, attack with Narset, then Assault Suit, give it to the next person, and everybody just gets to activate Narset on their turn. Pretty crazy. Yeah, some decks obviously got to use it a little bit more uh, than other ones. For instance, I was playing my Shu Yun deck, so this is a deck that is Jeskai already and is all about Voltron, so almost every single card in the deck is a non-creature spell. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. I went to town, and I got to clone it a couple of times. Basically, anytime he had Narset on the table, I found a way to get Narset to Assault Suit or not, because the card <laughs> is just ridiculous. That's awesome. Uh, there was a so Shivam, who we mentioned earlier. This is a crazy like it's a small world world story. So he's he's friends with the professor, and he was hanging out with us all weekend. And he had at one point pinged me and said, "Hey, I've, I'm bringing my friend Ben, and uh, he wants to know if he can hang out with us." I'm like, "Yeah, of course." So they show up, and he's like, "This is my friend Ben," and I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." <laughs> ben and I had played each other in the final round of uh, a side event at GP Vegas. And, no way. Yeah, crazy, right? There's like 8,000 people at GP Vegas. Out of all those people, Ben and I played each other. It was a final round, so we agreed to chop. And then he was talking to me and found out about the podcast of the Command Zone, and we were talking, and he really wanted to meet Marshall. So, of course, I walked up and introduced him to Marshall afterwards, and he got Marshall assigned a bunch of stuff and everything. So Shivam walks up, and he's like, this is my friend Ben. I was like, I know Ben. <laughs> what a small world. I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Um Oh, there was two guys from Massachusetts. There was Mikey and Sean, who I got into a game with. Uh, and there was another guy named Julian, who's from Alabama. And there was a fourth guy. I'm sorry, I forget your name. Um, and we ended up getting in this game that was like the longest game of uh, ever. It was like two hours and something. Yeah, I walked by after playing two <laughs> rounds of my Modern Masters thing. I was like, oh, nice. You guys getting a lot of games in? And you just looked at me and go, same game. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was troopers. Um, we, we ended up, you know, finishing the game. I didn't want to just walk away, obviously. But, yeah, it was one of those games that, for whatever reason, just took a long time. Just people had a lot of answers. Anyway, big shout-out to those guys. Uh, of course, we had some of our fellow podcasters there playing Commander, like Phil and Nate from Commander and Podcast, and mm. by the way, they just had their one-year anniversary, so congratulations, Phil, Nate, and Sean. Yeah, congrats. That's a big, that's a big one. Uh, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman from the Masters of Modern Podcast also got some uh, Commander games in. Actually, I don't know if Ben did, but Alex definitely played a bunch of Commander. Uh, yeah, they were Ben definitely, was running around filming a lot. So. Yeah, Ben was working for Machinima. Yeah. Yeah, and doing a bunch of stuff. So, And he was, of course, dressed to the nines, as Ben is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, there's a, oh, there was a group with a guy named West, or I think his name was Weston, Chad. There was a guy named Eric. Eric, this was kind of funny. These guys obviously play together a lot, so I got into a game with them, and they were sort of already a play group. I think there was me and one other guy that weren't in their play group, and then there was like four of them. And so they knew each other's decks really well, and 
And the guy, Eric, in the first game, I think it was like turn six or seven, he just infinites off and kills everybody. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and that was fast enough. I was like, let's play again, let's play again. We get into a second game, and the same guy, Eric, he's playing a new deck now, gets out like Hermit Druid on like turn two, and I'm like, oh, man, we're dead. We got to just stop this guy. And so the entire table basically went, just tried to keep the Hermit Druid from going off. And basically we did manage to get him out of the game, which I thought was really funny because their playgroup – you know, knows each other so well that as soon as they saw the hermit druid, it was just like the whole table was like, nope, just yep. whatever, whatever we can do to stop that from happening. Like, what can you do? I can kill it. I can bounce it. I can get rid of his graveyard, you know, and everybody's just working together. It was pretty awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, hermit druid is definitely one of those must answer cards if the deck that playing it is going to win with it because usually you can just go off pretty quickly. So. Pretty sweet. And then, of course, we got to hang out with a lot of the personalities from Magic. So James from Loading Ready Run, who I did not know very well but was staying at my house, got to hang out with him quite a bit. Really cool guy, really chill bro. Um, Ashlyn Rose, we got to hang out with a lot. Yep, professional cosplayer and streamer. And uh, she's also done a lot of community stuff as well for, like, the streamer showdowns and all that. Yep, she's super fun to hang out with. Uh, Professor, of course, who's a mainstay of uh, uh, hanging out with us at Grand Prix now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenji Agashir, Numat the Nummy, came down and stayed at my place. I love that guy to death. Um, he came and hang out as well. Yeah, we got to eat a lot of good meals with Kenji. Uh, we got to meet Blake Rasmussen, finally. Oh, I've met Blake before. You have oh, not. Uh, this was my first time meeting Blake, so that was really cool. Uh, we got to go to a little magic party. And, of course, Jimmy, you got pulled onto Magic TV. Yeah, talking about the top t- uh, top eight uh, cards that flip because uh, they do these uh, these really fun uh, flip cards or what? top eight sort of things. And so <laughs> they specifically were that cards that flip because the number one was a fun one. What was number one? It was Chaos Orb, a card that not oh. like a flip card. It's a card you literally had to flip. That's and awesome. I was talking to them, and I guess they did the whole top eight just because they were like, oh, Chaos Orb, a card that flips. Perfect. We'll do a whole eight based on this alone just so we can put this at number one. <laughs> just so we can surprise people. Yeah, it's pretty That's hilarious. Cool. Uh, we got to hang with, with Melissa DeTora quite a bit, and she, in one of the sealed side events, pulled a foil goif. The fourth one she has pulled from a pack. What the fourth. heck? The fourth. That's she has insane. a playset of foil goifs. I mean, I'm assuming maybe she doesn't still have the one she's pulled, but she could have a playset of foil goifs. Yeah, it, that, is, it was crazy. That, that lady's got the touch. Um, yeah. Marshall, of course, we got to hang out with a little bit. My cousin Ryan was uh, really excited to be able to hang out with a bunch of the people from from the Magic community. That was fun. Uh, one of the really cool things we did was we got to go to this sort of judges after party after the entire Grand Prix was over. The judges gather and they have sort of a, what would you call it, just a, a reception? Yeah, it's a reception. It's a time for the judges to get some time that's not spent standing and judging and actively working. Um, and it's a time, it's just It's just to celebrate the work that they did to give them honors and also give them a chance to hang out and play Magic because they haven't gotten a chance to the entire weekend too. Yeah, and judges are just this special breed of people that they just want to be involved in the community and they want to help people. And they're just really, really great people. You know, most of them are so easy to smile and laugh with. It was really fun to hang out with them. And they do such a great job that I was glad to see them sort of in their element, you know, actually drafting and playing and laughing and having, you know, yucking it up. Yeah, that was really nice. So that was a nice way to sort of cap off the trip for us. Yeah, except for I capped it off by beating Kenji in draft. I just want everyone to know that. Uh, that was great, and now you are one zero lifetime, and it's going to stay that way. Retiring. Retirement. Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was the GPLA recap. Oh, I forgot to mention my five-color lands deck made its debut. 
Ooh, I know yes. a lot of people are asking me for that deck list online. It's not refined yet, so I, I want to wait until it's it's pretty until it's good. Um, right now, all the deck does is get a lot of lands into play, but it doesn't do anything once that happens. So <laughs> I played it a few times, and it would get like forty lands on the table, and then I'd be like, uh, "Go," <laughs> because <laughs> somebody would like I would be like, "Sweet, forty lands." Uh, I have Titania, and then someone killed Titania, and I'd just be like, okay, go. <laughs> nice. Like, hey, you got there. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm working on it. Um, maybe we'll do an episode about it or something, but uh, I won't have the deck list online yet until it's actually good. Yeah, fix it up. We'll figure it out. All right, time for the To The Listeners, where we ask the listeners a question, and you tweet or email or comment back at us. We really, we really had a lot of fun with this section. It's great to uh, be able to interact with everybody and get everybody's opinions and thoughts. And the last week we did a big topic discussion asking for new topics, and people were great about that. If you didn't participate, we're still looking for topics. So go ahead. You can always let us know if there's cool topics for the show that you think we should cover. All right, this week, what card or cards from Eternal Masters are you most excited about and why? There's a lot. Uh, there's definitely a lot that we did not mention as well, uh, just because they, you know, we've already talked about them a lot, or they're just not as notable. But yeah, let us know because there's a bunch of stuff in there, and I would love to see what people are really stoked about. There's a lot of cards too where it's just kind of obvious, like yeah, play that in the elf deck. We know it's great, but it's not, you know, there's no reason for us to touch on it. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, moving on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. I have something uh, this time around. Go for it. It is Star Wars: A New Hope. Wait, what? Yeah. Have you ever heard of Star Wars before? Like the original, 1978? Nope. I'm actually talking about uh, a website, swanh.net. It is an adaptation of Star Wars Episode Four. that is a 123-meter-long infographic. What? Um, yeah, it's... it's You can load it up on your web, on your on any browser. Uh, it was made in Adobe Illustrator, and it is 123 meters long. It is just a giant, huge picture, and you just scroll down, and it's got little like infographics, like saying like uh, the first, for instance, the first thing that you see is uh, it shows tattooing, and it shows little blaster things flying by, and then it shows the CR90 Corvette Rebel Blockade Runner. Keep going down. It shows Imperial One class Star Destroyer, and it's all these really great, clean graphics of everything. It shows what happens, and all the dialogue in the movie pretty much shows. And if you scroll through, you see the entire movie, but in infographic form. And it's really cool. All these, all every section of it is really well done, and it's different, and uh, it's cute because it's an infographic, and it's like it feels very educational. But you get to see the entire movie from this top-down perspective. What's the and What's the URL again? SWANH.net. So Star Wars A New Hope. SWANH.net. Yeah. So I know you're going to check this out immediately, Josh. It's Holy it's really crap. sweet. I'm looking at it, it is, right now. It's great, what? right? It's like. <laughs> this must have taken of, forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is a single giant picture. That's my favorite part about it. It's just this huge file. Um, but yeah, if you scroll through that at lightning fast speed, it's great. You, you know, like. There's so much that happens in this movie, and it's great seeing all the little ways that the person shows the space battles, shows what happens inside the the Millennium Falcon during a battle. Like, oh, it gives a little like fire warning, and then R two, you know, when R two puts the fire out, and it shows a little ice sign. You know, it's like it's great. It's super cute, and it's also just a blast to just read slowly and relive the the original movie in a brand new way. This thing is awesome. Yeah. I'm totally gonna spend like a couple hours now. 
dude, people are crazy. This must have taken like forever. Yeah, it definitely must have taken forever. If you go to the about, he made it in 2016, and I'm guessing it just took a very long time. So, it's awesome. He's not, he's not looking to make money off of it. He's He says it is part of an artistic approach and experiment in order to create an internet curiosity, and that, to me, is art. It's pretty sweet. S-W-A-N-H dot net. Yep. Very awesome. awesome. All right. Cleanup step. All right, uh, make sure you listen to the Masters of Modern <laughs> podcast where it. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about the uh, modern format. They got a ton to discuss after GPLA. They recently did a live cast from GPLA. Those guys were all over it. They're loving it. They're breaking down the new meta, talking merfolk and whatever else went on. It's craziness. Those guys know everything that they're talking about, and I know nothing about modern, so don't listen to me. Check them out on rocketship.com under the podcast tab right next to us or follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Special thanks also to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG on Twitter who provides the animated intro and the transition sequences of our show. You can make sure to check out our YouTube videos. We do full videos of every single one of these podcasts so you can see the cards as they come up. You can put it off to your monitor when you're at work or when you're at home, whenever. Check it out. YouTube.com slash the Command Zone podcast is where you can find our videos on YouTube. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we hope to see you in an EMA draft sometime soon. Peace! Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.